join me in prayer one more time. Our dear gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this opportunity that we have been given tonight. As our brother Jonathan mentioned, there's many people who are going to their places of worship. They're going to partake in things that give them pleasure, things that they even live for throughout the week. And the whole week they said, oh, I can't wait till Friday night. I can't wait till I get off of work this evening. Oh, we're going to have a good time. And they craved for it. They longed for it. And Lord, they'll partake of it. And they'll have what they wanted. And I imagine they'll wake up in the morning and some may even say, I'll never do that again. But Lord, as we have longed for this time and looked forward to this time and we've desired to be here. May there be such a change that takes place in our lives for each one. That the time that we spend in this presence would so move us and so raise us up and so change our lives in such a dramatic way that when we would wake up in the morning, we'd say, I can't wait to do that again. Lord, may there just be a contrast that is recognized even by ourselves between those things of the world and the things that you have prepared for us. May we just become much more conscious and aware that even as young people, you have ordained a work for our hands and a pathway for our feet. Lord, that no matter how young we are, even at 13 years old, you can use us in a wonderful, powerful way. Lord, we look around us and see so many atrocities and so many things that are being accomplished by even young people younger than 13. We know that if the devil can get so a hold of young people to accomplish such evil things and horrible, wicked things at such a young age, how much more could you take a hold of these young people and use them for your glory? And use them to make a difference in their homes and their schools and with their brothers and sisters, with their friends and their families. And Lord, I pray that you can make a difference in their life tonight as we commit this service into your hands. Lord, this is a wonderful opportunity. What a a wonderful time. It's just an intimate time. Just us and the young people together with you. It's a time where things can be accomplished. If we'll only lay aside the things of the world and expect you to come and speak to our hearts and give us what we have need of. So, Lord, we commit this time into your hands and we ask you to come now. And you take a hold of us, both as speaker and listener. And, Lord, we will get out of the way that you might accomplish your perfect will. And in our hearts, Lord, by saying amen, we'll say, be it unto me according to thy word. Let nothing between my soul and my Savior. Let me, let, I don't want to let school hinder me. I don't want the thoughts of, of friends and associates and pleasures and worldly things get in the way tonight, Lord. Help me. Just build up a hedge about us, Lord. That we could penetrate through the things of this flesh. That your word could reach our souls. We ask it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. If you'll turn with me in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 7 verse 16. We'll read one scripture there. And and we'll get right into our thought this evening. Hebrews chapter 7 verse 16. As uh, some of you are turning there and just finding your scriptures, I want to say that this is one of the greatest privileges that I have as a minister is to speak to young people. And uh, I'm sure Brother Tom could tell you, uh, usually when I come in town, I don't let anybody know I'm coming. And um, I'll, sh- I'll just show up to church on Wednesday night just, uh, just before service and maybe say hi. And they'll say, why didn't you let us know we would have had you preach? And I said, that's the reason why. I don't let you know, but every time I've told them, if you want me to preach to your young people, I'll do that anytime. And um, I've told them, you know, you'll know that I'm here Wednesday or I'll let you know if I'm coming. You want to schedule Friday night youth service? I said, I would love to do that because I consider it such a privilege. And so I thank you for coming tonight. 
uh, you, you know, the, the scriptures talk about how um, he who hears communicate back to the, the speaker. And um, you will be a blessing to me tonight just by being here and by listening and, and taking part of this service. And I'll be able to take uh, your licks of fire and your love and your attentiveness and your desire to serve God. It'll be added to mine and I'll be a better Christian for having spent this time with you. So I thank you for this opportunity. I trust that God would speak to you tonight. You get something from the Lord. You get something that you have need of. That your life could be changed. And you would realize that this just wasn't a youth service that they threw together just to get the young people involved. But this is something supernatural. This is something that God ordains. This is something that that, that the Word has predestinated for you. And if you could take that kind of approach to it, whatever you have need of tonight, just lift it up to God. Whatever you have need of. As young people, we have so many things that, that we struggle with and that we were torn with and anxieties and depressions and fears and, and, and even taste for the things of the world that we don't like and even things that we want to get out of relationships, depressions, things like that. And we long for it and we long to get free and we've tried to get free. Well, tonight's an opportunity for God himself to come and give you what you have need of. And so I just want to tell you, I I love you and I appreciate this opportunity. I still consider myself to be one of the young people and I hope you would do the same, that you would grant me that consideration. So I love you and I thank you for this opportunity. And I do want to bring greetings to you from the young people at Christian Life Tabernacle and all the believers of our church in Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas. Um, It's a great privilege for me to be sent by them. And uh, our pastor, Brother David McGeary, we'll work with him there in the area with the church there. And um, I consider it such a privilege to, to represent them. And they send me to places like this all around the world to minister. So I'm here representing uh, that congregation. And we're just trying to bring, uh, bring what God has given all of us and just bring it together and just become one. That we might be better Christians and soon leave here. Right. And that what we're living for is to leave. Amen. So we love you. And let's just turn our, focus our attention now as we read the word. Let's just focus our attention on the things of God. Um, you lay aside the things that you want to do later this evening. Or you lay aside what you want to do uh, tomorrow. Whatever, whatever it is was done during the week, that's in the past. God's present tense. He's God right now. So we want to look to right now what God has. And I was fellowshipping with a brother the other day and I said, you know, I've never been more excited about serving God. I've never been happier in all my life than right now. And he goes, why right now? I said, because right now is all I got. This is the time. Now is the time. So let's just focus on the things of God and let's get everything we can out of this service tonight. Hebrews chapter 7 verse 16. It says, who is made not after the law of a carnal commandment, but after the power of an endless life. I wonder if we could just all read that together. Hebrews chapter 7 verse 16. We begin reading. Who is made not after the law of a carnal commandment. But after the power of an endless life. Let's just bow our heads again. Our dear gracious heavenly father. Lord we ask that you'd have your way in this service. Just take a hold of these words which we have read. May they become alive to us by revelation. Just be added to our souls Lord and our stature. May you increase us we pray. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You can have your seats this evening. Now, if you notice, there's just young people here tonight. And so the only amens I have to rely upon are yours. And this is your service. So if you, uh, if you hear something you agree with and you like something, don't be afraid to amen and, and say, sick em boy, get behind the preacher because I'm counting on you to pull me through this service. 
And uh, it sometimes can be difficult. You go to different youth camps or different youth meetings and you preach to a, young, a lot of young people who are just kind of looking at you funny and they'd much rather be somewhere else than where they are and maybe their parents drag them there by their ear or something. Whatever reason why they're there, it's certainly not to listen to you and it can be difficult. But I've watched you. I've seen you in service. You enter in. You listen. You worship. So let's do the same thing tonight. Get behind the, behind the Word and I know God can speak to us. I want to speak on a subject called the power of... Of an endless life. And as we read here, who is made not after the law of a carnal commandment, but after the power of an endless life. And just as we know that this is a youth service, that in, in, my, in the, the thought process of coming up with this time, we consider the fact that youth camp is your family camp just a few weeks away. And that, that's a tremendous opportunity for us to come together and hear the preaching of the word and be caught away from the things of the world and set aside just to listen to the word and be with one another. And it's a special time because uh, we feel as if uh, we could stay there all week after we've been there a few days. We don't want to leave and, and, and God can deal with us and, and things are accomplished. And so we wanted to have this, Brother Tom wanted to have this youth service with that in mind. Something to kind of get you, uh, get you looking towards youth camp, to get you prepared and, and get your heart stirred. And so I want to bring this message tonight with, with the fact that youth camp's coming up. I, wanted, I want that to be a, a part of this process tonight. Because when, you, when we go to youth camp, we don't go to be seen and we don't go to see. We go to hear from God. We go to be changed. We go to be in an atmosphere that's different from the atmosphere we have at school. That's different than the atmosphere we, we have throughout the week. And we, we're called aside so that God can make a difference and a change in us. And so the, that's the same reason why we're here tonight. Is that something can be done in you. Something can be continued in you. And that God would do something for you. I'm, I, I, I'm not up here just to put on a show. And I'm not up here just so you can hear what I know. I'm here because I want God to use me to help you. And so that's the reason why we're going to be taking this subject. And so I want to ask a question, maybe even tonight. As the scripture says, who is made, not after the law of a carnal commandment, but after the power of an endless life. It can even be phrased as a question, who is made after the power of an endless life? Even be asking you tonight, who has made you? And I want us to consider this small phrase, the power of an endless life. And as... As we just take time to consider this question, apply it to your own life and ask yourself, what has made me who I am? How have I been made? What, if, if I was to determine what has brought me to where I am and what has put these virtues in me, what is giving me my identification, what is molding my character, ask yourself, what is the source of your life? What is the source of the thing that is making you? And many of us that sit here tonight, we've accepted Christ, we've accepted the message, and we may live good lives, and we don't, we're not disrespectful, we're faithful to church, uh, we, love, we love the message, we love to hear the preaching, but it's important for us to know what makes us. It's important for us to take a look back in our lives and look at the source of our life and say, what is it that brings me to church? What is it that causes me to enjoy the fellowship? What is it that, at the end of the day, if you boiled it down to its most simple component, what is it that keeps me here? And ask ourselves how we are made. Now in Hebrews chapter 7, the scriptures are speaking about the position of Jesus Christ. To how he's the king of righteousness. And that he is, the, he is made after the order of Melchizedek. Made a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. And so this specific scripture actually is bringing us to an understanding of what the origin of Jesus Christ was. 
And so Paul just through these scriptures is making a distinction between what was the natural priesthood that the Israelites had and the Jews had and the now spiritual priesthood which Christ was of. And so what Paul was emphasizing about Jesus is that he did not have his position because of his natural lineage. And Paul was trying to show that Jesus, the position that Jesus had was not the result of an appointment that was made by man. And it was not, as he says, after the law of a carnal commandment. So it wasn't, Jesus wasn't a priest because of how he kept the commandments. Jesus was not a priest because of the way that he acted or the way that he lived or the way that he dressed. But rather, it was, it was something different that made Jesus who he was. As, as the Jews believed the priesthood, Paul is saying that his, his, his position was not on the basis of who his mother and father were. His position was not natural ancestry. His position did not relate to who he was in the flesh in terms of the way that he, uh, the things that were carnal. And the word carnal there actually means, it doesn't mean perverted or fleshly uh, necessarily, but the word actually means feeble. It actually means frail. It means weak. So he wasn't made a priest after a weak commandment. He wasn't made a, a priest after a failing commandment. So it wasn't the weakness of the law that made Jesus who he was. It wasn't a commandment that made Jesus. And so we have to start looking at Jesus as an example that he was not made a priest by outward observances. He was not a priest because, he, because of his carnal actions. And it wasn't because he dressed like a priest that he was a priest. It wasn't because he acted like a priest that made him a priest. It wasn't the way that he was raised. It wasn't how he was taught. It wasn't that he went to the synagogue, which was his practice. It wasn't because he ate a certain way or acted a certain way or avoided certain things. That's not what made Jesus who he was. And, and Paul is trying to show us that Jesus was different than everyone else. Because the Levites, they were priests by natural birth. The priest of the Jews, the priest in Israel, they were priests by a natural appointment. It was such that if they belonged to the right family and they had the right father, then they had the right to be the priesthood. And that's the way it was set up in Israel. And so because they were born in a certain family and they were raised by a certain father, then and they had a right to the priesthood, they were raised a certain way. They were taught to act a certain way. They were taught to dress a certain way. They were taught uh, and learned how to be a priest. And that's how the natural priest became a natural priest, is he was taught that way. And so they became a priest because of their natural bloodline. And they, they showed that they were a priest by their outward observances of the law. And so the law was their strength. And they derived their position, their character, their placing from the law. And the priest actually needed the law. Without the law, they, there was, they were nothing. The law was there to make sure that there were priests. The law was there to make sure that there was even a high priest. And the law itself supposed that these priests were weak. Because the ministry would not be able to be continued unless the law said that when this one dies, this one will take his place. And so the law was written in such a way that whenever the high priest would die, the, the letter of the law determined that someone would become a high priest. And so that there would always be a priesthood, the law had to be written to say that we're, these Levites, they are priests and they'll be raised a certain way and they'll dress a certain way. And when they come of a certain age, they'll, they'll enter into their ministry of the priesthood. And so the law supposed that they were weak because it directed their secession, it directed their position. 
And so because the law assumed them to be weak, it, it determined and said that they were unable to preserve their own natural lives and therefore they needed a law to maintain their office or continue their ministry. And so it was all carnal, it was all outward, it was all pertaining to the things of the flesh and it was weak because they could not become, they could not make, be preached forever, they could not be preached always unless a natural law said so. But Jesus was not who he was by natural appointment. But the scriptures tell us that he was made a different way. And the scriptures tell us that he was made a priest by the power of an endless life. So what we have to be able to take from this is that it wasn't human effort that made Jesus who he was. It wasn't human diligence. It wasn't the sweat of his brow. It wasn't the determination in his spirit that made him who he was. And it wasn't the way that he was raised. And it wasn't the way that he was taught. Now, I'm not just giving you a lesson about Jesus. I'm speaking about yourself. It wasn't the way that he was raised and it wasn't the way he was taught. It wasn't the things he was told. It wasn't the things he was told to do. It wasn't the way he dressed. It wasn't the places he went. It wasn't his practice of coming to the synagogue. It was not those things that made Jesus who he was. But a greater power made him what he was. A greater power is what brought him to his position. Now, I want you to see an outstanding characteristic of Jesus in Hebrews chapter 5. In Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8 says, Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, that tells us that by suffering, in plain language, the character of Jesus was made perfect by suffering. In being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. And so he's showing that this whole process was for us. Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. So he was made perfect by the things which he suffered. But I want you to think that it was not the, so much the external pressure... Or outside influences that made him perfect. It wasn't just all the things and all the suffering that was coming from the outside that made him perfect. But it was the internal response to the suffering. And something on the inside that made him perfect. Because there are many people that suffer. How many know people that suffer? How many have suffered yourselves? We all have. There's many people that suffer. There are many people that suffer. But they lack the internal quality to transform suffering into character. And we know a lot of people in the world, we read about it in the paper, we see it on the internet, it's all around us. We know there's a lot of people that suffer a lot. And there's a lot of people that suffer a lot more than we do. And suffer a lot worse things and great atrocities and afflictions and sorrows. But yet they're never made perfect. So it's not just the sufferings that make someone perfect. It's not just the things from the outside coming in that's going to perfect someone's character. And so we've got to realize it just wasn't outside persecution that made Jesus perfect. But it was something on the inside that could respond to that pressure and be made perfect. And so there was something else inside of him that would transform him and turn him into what he was. And we know that Jesus Christ is our example. And all that he is we should aspire to be. It should be our endeavor, it should be our aim, it should be our goal, it should be our very breath. It should be the very, at the very forefront of our thoughts to be like Jesus. 
to manifest Christ, to be the vindication of the word, to be all that he was, to manifest his presence, to, to bear his presence, to be his light. That should be our aspiration. And if it's not, it should be. And if you're thinking, well, Brother Aaron, I'm only 14 years old. That seems to be a pretty lofty goal. It's for you too. You're, you're never too young to desire these things. You're never too young to come into the position of these things. You're never too young to, to take on this mind which was in Christ Jesus. That's why the scriptures give us so many examples over and over and over again of how God could deal with young men. And how the Hebrew children just at the, the age of 12 years old can make a stand not to defile themselves according to God's word. And how David, just being a 12-year-old boy, was anointed to be king. And how Samuel, even at 12 years old, he could hear the voice of God and listen to the call. And then even seeing Jesus as a young boy, but 12 years old, being about his father's business. Well, what's the reason for this witness? What's the reason for this example? To let every single one of you know who's here tonight that's over the age of 12, that you're past the time of your, of, of your accountability. You're living right now in the time of answering the call. You're living right now in the time of coming to your position and coming to your place. Right now you're living in the time to be anointed. You're living in the time of your appointment. You're living right now in the time to assume your place in Christ. To to take up the sword and assume your position. It's not time to wait. It's not time to put it off later down the road. I'll, I'll wait till I'm married. I'll wait till I'm older. I'll wait till I graduate from high school. Right now is the time. Right now is to give everything you are to God. Right now is the time to wake up in the morning and say, Lord, keep me throughout the day. Lord, lead me and guide you. Lord, let me be a witness. Lord, let me be closer to you by the end of the day. That's not something for adults. That's for all of us. For every single one of us to have a heartbeat for God and the things of God. Even as young people, our very heart should beat to the rhythm of I want to please God. Pulsating to that, where every effort and every energy is focused towards what he desires and what he wants. Not what you want, not, oh, well, what I'm thinking about the most and what I'm praying about the most is where I'm going to go to college. What I'm praying about the most and what I'm worried about the most is is how I'm going to do this and how I'm going to do that. No, that shouldn't be what's number one on your list. It should be, what do you want, God? What do you desire? Because it's so easy for us to be consumed with our own passions. Very easy for us as young people to, to live just according to what the flesh says. As young people, our obligations and responsibilities, uh, though there's many and they're important, they're significant, they, we know they're different than what the obligations of our mom and dad. We know that we don't have to work to put food on the table and we're not paying the tuition uh, and we're not paying the light bill and we're not paying the rent and we're not buying ourselves clothes. And, and though some of us young people may be doing that at your age where you are, but, but we, our obligations are few. And so, especially during the summer when we wake up in the morning, it's not like, oh man, I got to be at work at nine o'clock. I got to work eight hours a day because I got to pay the bill. You're not thinking about that. You wake up at noon and you're thinking, oh, I think I'll sleep in today. And you, you lay in bed for another hour or two and you wake up and you get up and you play a few video games and you, and you go and eat. And then you're like, man, what am I going to do today? i got nothing to do. And so you just do whatever the flesh tells you what to do. You're tired. Go back to bed. You go back to bed. You want to play video games all the day. I'll play video games all day. And so you're just kind of, you just kind of do whatever the flesh tells you. And it's easy to, to, it's easy to not have any goal or any direction. It's easy just to kind of live loose and just whatever the whim of the flesh would say. And then in doing that, it's easy to get caught up in those things. 
And then on the other hand, and it may seem almost uh, uh, like I'm contradicting myself, but even as you begin to grow, there's a lot of important things that you begin to face. What are you going to do with your life? How am I going to make a living? Where am I going to go to school? And, and there's a lot of important decisions. That, and what kind of job you're going to have? And what happens if I never get married? Oh, no, I'm 15 and there's no prospects. What am I going to do? And, and you start wondering about the way, what direction your life's going to go in. And, and you think about these things. And it's easy for your conscience and your thoughts to be dominated by these different things. But you've got to be, you've got to, you've got to come to a place in your life. You say, you know what? I'm going to lay that aside and put Christ first. I'm going to let those things take care of themselves and I'm going to serve God with everything that's in me. Because you'll never have more time than the time you have right now to serve God. Will I wait till I have more time? No, you'll never have more time than the time you have right now as young people. So we want to be sensitive and aware of what God wants. And be sensitive to the things of Christ just as Jesus was sensitive to the will of the Father. And so as we, we think of Jesus as our example, who made Jesus? This sinless being, this, this great warrior, this great faithful one, this, this lamb who was led to the slaughter, this, this one who obeyed the Father, what made him who he was? He is our example. And our example, the scriptures tell us, was made after the power of an endless life. It was not carnal ambition. It wasn't his natural inspiration. It was not the will or desire of the flesh that made Jesus who he was. But his quality, his excellence, his character was born from the power of God. If you want to turn to Matthew chapter 1, we'll find that it wasn't human effort that made Jesus who he was. It was not the way he was raised. It was not the way he was taught. It was not what was said or what he did. It wasn't the way he dressed or the way he acted. But there was something else that he could point to to say, this is why I am what I am. In Matthew chapter 1, you can start even in the first verse and begin reading. And realize that there's a whole list of names. And it begins as Abraham begat Isaac. And it keeps continuing where one after another begat another begat another. And it's showing that one father had a son and that son had another son. And it just keeps going down. Natural, birthing, natural, natural, birthing, natural. And so there's a whole list of begats. This one begat this one and this one begat that one. which, Which means to father or to bring forth. But then when we get down to verse 16 it says, And Jacob begat Joseph. The husband of Mary. And it says of whom was born Jesus who is called Christ. And so the scripture doesn't say what it's been saying for 16 verses. It doesn't say that Jesus was begat by anybody. So he was not begotten of natural generation. No man or woman brought him forth or introduced him or brought him to to be. So he was not born by the will of Joseph. He was not born by the desire of Mary. Those things did not enter and come into the equation of making Jesus who he was. And so if we try to be a convert to Christ through the will of the flesh, then we're only becoming converts after the law. And we're only becoming carnal children. Because that's not the way Jesus Christ came. So in verse 18 it says this. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. 
It said Ezekiel begat Manasseh, and it keeps going on and on. All these ones begat, begat, begat. And now it says Jacob begat Joseph, but it's trying to impress in our minds that Jesus was different than the rest. So it says, now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise when as his mother was espoused to Joseph before they came together, letting us realize man and woman did not take a part in this. She was found with child of the Holy Ghost. What does this tell us? What is, let us know the birth of Jesus was on this wise. This is a new order. This is a different way. This is a different process than what every other man has known to this time. It was different than everyone else. He was born by the power of the Holy Ghost. His character, his quality, his excellence, his majesty was born from the power of God. Because he did not come like everyone else came. Jesus had an origin that was on this wise. Is different than all other men that had come before him. He had a different source of life. So it wasn't Jesus' character, Jesus' quality, the, the, the person that he was. It wasn't because my mommy and daddy were such and such. It wasn't because I went to church. It wasn't because I was raised this way. It wasn't, it wasn't anything that he could identify with in the flesh. There was nothing that Jesus could go to and point to and say, this right here is why I am who I am. There was nothing that he could point to externally and say, this is what made me. This is the reason why I am who I am. No, it was God who made him who he was. The birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. It was different. He was born by the power of the Holy Ghost. And he had a great purpose. He was made after this power to bring many sons unto glory. In bringing many sons unto glory, they made them perfect through sufferings, the scripture says. And it says that he might bring us to this salvation. He might bring us to this eternal salvation if we obey him. So his very purpose of being made this way was that so others might share in this power and in this life. And in John chapter 1, verse 11. As we follow our example. It says, and he came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. There's going to be those who receive him. And to them will he give power to become the sons of God. Or not born, not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, nor the will of God, but born of God. Amen. A group of people who aren't just raised good. They're not just taught good, but they're born of God. Amen. And notice verse 14. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory is the only begotten of the Father. Full of grace and truth. But even if you notice the, the, the order of this scripture, oftentimes we heard it quote, we hear it quoted as, in the beginning was the word. And we don't know that there's 13 more verses because it says, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. But in the order of the scripture, in the beginning was the word. Notice who is introduced into this, even before we get to the word made flesh. You are. Even before it gets to the testament of Jesus Christ, it gets to the very purpose of it. As many as who would receive Him, to them gave He power. 
If they would receive Him, He'll give them power to what? To also be begotten of the Father. To also be the bearers of the Word. Where the Word is made flesh. Or the flesh is made Word rather. And that's the very purpose. It's the very reason why He came. But yet they rejected Him and they did not receive Him. But He gives a promise to them that would receive Him. I will give you power. To be like Christ. I will give you power. To be an overcomer. I will fight your battles. I will be your victory. I will be your protector. I will be your guide. I will be your comfort. If you'll only receive me. But you know what? There's something that happens here. It seems so simple as we read it. But as many as receive him. We think my this is. That just sounds so easy. But there's something about us as humans. We always get in the way. And we think, okay, Brother Aaron's saying we need to be like Christ. We need to, we need to serve Christ. We need to be like Him. We need to manifest Him. We need to, we need to become what Christ is. And I want to be the very representation of the message. I want to be an example of the believer in charity, in love, in faithfulness, in, in all these things. That's, that's what I want to be. And our first instinct, our first inclination is to try to become like Christ through the law of the carnal commandment. The promise is there. It's ours to receive it. But we don't realize it whenever we hear these things and the challenges put forth. We, our first instinct is to try to become like Christ through the law of a carnal commandment. Because remember, there's a difference being made. Who is made not after the law of a carnal commandment, but after the power of an endless life. And so this is just human nature. It's not evil. You're not a bad person. It's, it's not some perverted desire. It's just the way of man. There's a way that seemeth right to a man. There's a, every way, the ways of man are pure in his own eyes. So it's, it's not that you're, you're getting this uh, evil thought and you're thinking, hmm, hmm, I've got an idea here. I'm going to trick God. I'm going to bypass the promise and I'm going to become like Christ. You don't even think that way with a sincere heart, with a pure motive. You, you set out to try to become a Christian through your own ambition and human inspiration. And so whenever you're made aware of this standard, you're made aware of your shortcomings, something inside of you tells you, oh, there's more to, to this life. There's more for me. There's love. There's peace. There's happiness. There's joy. There's holiness. There's right standing. That there's character. There's abstinence from the things of the world. That these things are mine. You, you immediately, wanting to do good, said, I'll go out and do it. And so the very thing we do in, in knowing that this is what we should be, we're going to go try and do this. And we're going to try, and we're going to try, and we're going to try. And it seems like it happens every, every August for some of us. We hear Brother Chris Hall preach. We hear Brother Tim Pruitt preach. We hear these great sermons go forth. And, oh my, we're, we're inspired. And we hear and say, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do that. And you start saying, I'm going to stop doing that. I'm going to stop going there. I'm going to stop talking to this person. I'm going to stop watching those things. I'm going to stop listening to those things. And you've got all these things you're going to stop doing and all the things you're going to start doing. And what we'll do is we'll do our best sincerely. I'm not saying you're a bad person for trying. And not even saying that you're, you're being filthy in your intent and you're being wrong in your desire. But it's just with our best and we'll do our best to try to work our way to a certain quality. We're going to do our best to work our way to a certain position. We're going to say, okay, that's where I need to be. I'll get there. And so we go home and we start throwing stuff away. 
And we get out the trash bag and some sisters are putting skirts in there and they're throwing away makeup. They're throwing away, guys are throwing away books and CDs and magazines and videos and all sorts of stuff is being thrown away. You're clearing off the dresser. You're, you're removing numbers from your contacts list. You're, you're cleaning up house. And you start doing these things. Why? You say, Christians shouldn't have these things around. Man, Brother Chris Hall was preaching and it went straight to my soul. He said the very things that are wrong with me. He identified the very things I was doing wrong. I'm going to go home and quit doing them. And you know what? Brother, Brother Ronald Spencer is going to come and he's going to start preaching and he's going to get right into your dirty house. He's going to start saying, this is wrong and that's wrong and that's wrong and that's wrong. And we're going to say, okay, I'm going to clean house. I'm going to get it right. I promise this time I'm going to do it. And so with well-meaning efforts and a sincere heart, we're going to go out and do everything right and observe the word through deeds. And we're going to have good intentions in doing it. We know what a Christian should do. Because we've been taught good. You've been raised good. Your parents have taught you well. The, the ministry at the church has done such a, a, a beautiful job and an excellent job of holding before you the standard in the way they live and, and, and the, way, the things they preach. You know what a Christian should do. You know what the Word produces. You know what the Word, uh, the word, uh, what, when the, what the word does in someone's life. You've seen it lived in your parents. You've seen it lived in, 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 the, in the people in the church. You've seen it lived before you in your pastor and the other ministers. You know what a Christian should do. So whenever you want to serve God or be like Christ, we just do the things we know a Christian does. We think, you know what? I see these, my family, I see these people are faithful. They're in church every time. So you know what you do? You say, I'm going to start going to church. I'm going to start paying my tithes. I'm going to start paying attention. I'm, I'm going to start dressing right. I'm going to start dressing more modest. I'm going to get my... The brother said, I'm going to clean up the way I look. And I'm not going to be so, so lazy and so loose in the way I dress. I'm, I'm going to start shaping up. I'm going to start looking like... I'm going to start dressing like Brother Tom does respectfully. I'm going to start being modest in my attitude, my character. I'm going to start being faithful. These are, I'm going to start doing these things. And you feel good. Feel good about it. And so we do these things that we know a Christian should do. And you know what? A Christian will do those things. Go to church, pay his tithes, be humble, be sweet, be kind. He'll he'll defer to his brother. He'll be willing to help. He'll be modest. She'll, She'll be modest. She'll have holiness, a spirit of holiness. Holiness just isn't the way you dress. It's a spirit. Modesty is a spirit. And all these things, these things will be in our eyes and we'll think, I got to do these things. I'm going to do these things. But you know, even though that's what a Christian does and a Christian will do those things, it's not doing those things that make you a Christian. Even though a Christian will do all those things, just because you do all those things doesn't make you a Christian. It's not in the keeping of a commandment that makes us a Christian. You're not a made a Christian by carnal discipline. You're not made a Christian by a promise to clean up your life. You're not made a Christian by a promise to stop doing things. It's not by an outward observance that makes you a Christian. A Christian will have discipline. A Christian will look like a Christian. A Christian can, will act like a Christian. But you can try, try and try to be a Christian. But never go anywhere. As the word says in Galatians chapter 3 verse 3. It says, are ye so foolish? Having begun in the spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? He's even talking to people begun in the spirit. He's saying, are you foolish to have begun in the spirit? Are you going to be made perfect by depending upon the flesh? Now, why would he say that? Because it's human instinct. It's human nature. 
You know, it's a good thing too. It gets in the way, but it's a good thing. At least your instinct isn't to go out and, 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 and at that point isn't to go out and do the things of the world. At least you're being sincere. You're being honest before God. I want to do these things. I promise I'll do them. But it's, it is a problem. It represents a problem. Because he's saying it's foolish. Because it's going to be natural for you as young people. And I hope you're listening. And if someone next to you is asleep, just wake them up. Because you've been awake all week. Now's not the time to sleep. But we want to, we want to think about this for a moment. It's human instinct. And it'll be your first reaction tonight or even during the camp when the word is preached. Your first reaction is going to be, okay, I'll do it. I'm sorry. I know I was wrong. I'll make it right. I know what I should do. I shouldn't do those things. I should do these things. I need to quit doing that. I need to quit doing that. And you say, you resolve yourself to do it. You feel good. You feel the conviction. You say, all right, I'm going to, a new start. I'm going to turn over a new leaf. Here's a new beginning. I'm starting fresh. This time I mean it. It's human nature to do that. Even for those who've begun in the spirit, they've had a change. They've been filled with the Holy Ghost. They still do it time and time again. They've got the power of God inside of them, but they want to do it all in the power of their flesh. But it's foolish to do that. And it's, it's foolish for anybody, no matter what level of experience they're on, to try to make themselves perfect by depending upon their flesh. And so what happens is you'll have that desire to serve God. And so you'll try to satisfy that desire yourself. I'm going to be like Jesus. And if you have a desire to serve God, I just want to ask, if you have a desire to serve God, raise your hand tonight. I want to, I'm going to ask the question again, but I say, if you really, really mean it, and this is the testimony you'd want the world to see, because they're streaming this service, it's going to be archived, and your hands are going to go up as a witness around the world. Do you really have a desire to serve God? Raise your hand. Wow. Do you know what? You're rare. You're very rare. And I'm not just talking about in Cloverdale or Vancouver. You're rare in the message. To really sincerely have a desire to serve God, you're rare even in what some people call a rare cult. You think you're rare because you believe the message? Want to serve God and live the message? Now you're really rare. And you're, you're one of the most rare people on earth. They say one in a million. Yeah, you're rare. And look, you've all come together to one place tonight. It's God who does things like that. You should look around at the people who raise their hand next to you. Maybe somebody you've had bitter feelings towards them. You need to lose that. They're designed to serve God just like you are. They may get weak. They may struggle. They may do things to offend. They might go astray. They might have bad attitudes. But they raise their hand and said they want to serve God just like you do. And then we, we need to quit pushing each other down and build each other up. Because we need one another. It's a shame when our young sisters go to school and they suffer persecution and come to church and get it from you. It's a shame when a young brother doesn't find acceptance amongst his own family or in the world and he's persecuted and comes to church and gets the same thing from you. We should be ashamed. Because we're so rare that we desire to serve God. 
And each one of you should say, you know what? We need to serve God together. We need to lift one another up. We need to come together. We can do this together. We, by the grace of God and the power of Christ, we can become an invincible army. Amen. We can pray for one another. We can lift one another up. If God has given you that desire, if you have a desire to serve God, then serve Him with all your heart. But do not think that it is your will or your effort that's going to make you what He is. No matter how strong that desire is, you can never project that desire through the flesh and take that desire to inspire the flesh and become a Christian. It's good to have the will. It's great to have that desire, that want to. It's, It's important to have the effort, but that's not what does it. Romans chapter 9 verse 16, so then it is not of him that willeth. Romans chapter 9 verse 16, it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. Now, both are necessary for salvation. God will not save you unless you are willing to be saved. You have to, you have to be willing. God doesn't come and take a heart that doesn't want to be saved. He says, no, I don't believe in you, I don't want to be saved. He doesn't save that person. So there has to be the will there. There has to be the want to. And you're not saved unless you accept the work of salvation. You show the fruits, meat of repentance. There has to be an acceptance. So you have to run. There has to be a willing and there has to be a running. But the, the, the warning always has to be issued. It's not just you willing and you running that makes you a Christian. It's not just you willing and you running that gets you in the place that you need to be. It's not you being willing to run the race. And it's not you will, running the race that gets you to the finish line. Because everyone who runs in the race, they all finish. But one obtaineth the prize. So run that you may obtain. There's got to be something else that's a part of you. But it is God that showeth the mercy. No matter how hard you try, it will never matter if God does not do something. It means you never made God save you. And you'll never make yourself a Christian. You don't make God save you. And you're not going to make yourself a Christian. So then as you sat here tonight, even with the desire to serve God, the question is, who made you? How are you made? Where's the source of your life? What's the source of your strength? You're good young people. You have a a good testimony before me in the times that I've been here. A very good testimony. For the most part, I see when you come to a regular church service, a lot of you young people sit on the front row. You listen. You pay attention. You're some of the ones that stay the longest lingering in prayer and worshiping. Young men raising their hands. Young sisters worshiping. And you've got a good testament. The way you, the way, little bit I've seen you, the way you conduct yourself, the way the young sisters dress. You're, you're not letting the world influence you as much as other people are. And we always need to be careful of the influence that we're under. And always be sure that we're not being influenced wrong. But you've got a good testimony. But I want you, I want you to think from a, well, who makes you what you are? Was it the law? Is it a law of a carnal commandment or the power of an endless life? Because remember what your human instinct is. Your human instinct is to do it all because you know it's right. And some of us have such good environments that you can put anybody in that environment. And if they want to do it, they can accomplish it. Because our parents keep a good environment in the home, the atmosphere at church. Everything's conducive to us just fitting in. But who's made you? The law of a carnal commandment or the power of an endless life?
As you begin to look at the foundation of your experience, is it a law or is it power? Is it carnal or is it endless? Is it a commandment or is it life? What makes you a Christian? And it is important for us to know the foundation of our experience. Don't, don't resent me if I challenge you tonight. Be happy that you get challenged. What's the foundation of your experience? What, what brought you here tonight? What puts you on the front row? What makes you who you are? What makes you tick? What gives you the desire? Where does it come from? Who gave it to you? Who's keeping it going? Is it solely human effort alone that doesn't last? Because you know the law of a carnal commandment has an end. It's called the law of the carnal commandment. It's temporary. Subject to change. And it always leads to death. The law can give a commandment, but it can never give life. And because it's temporary and subject to change, this is why many of us try, but we fail. This is why we've been at several family camps and we tried and it never lasted. This is why we've tried and we've fallen. We've tried and we've fallen because we make an effort and it doesn't last. We make an effort and it doesn't last. And it seems like come every, it seems like just a cycle. A certain time of year comes around and we're getting out the trash bag and we're throwing away the same stuff we threw away last time. A cycle begins to start. We're going back over the same things every time. You say, oh, I did better this last time. I I made it longer. I went a few more weeks than I did before. And that's the reason why we fail, many of us, is because we're trying to become a Christian through the law of a carnal commandment. And what is this law of a carnal commandment? I like to summarize it with, I promise. That's the law of a carnal commandment. I promise to do this. I promise this time I will throw this away. I promise this time I'll stop going there. This time I promise I'll stop watching those things. I promise I'll stop looking at those things. I promise I'll break up with this boyfriend. I promise I'll break up with this girl. I promise I'll stop listening to music. I promise I'll start wearing more modest clothing. I promise I'll, I promise, I promise I, I promise I, I promise. And you promise, promise, promise. What are you making? Carnal commandment, carnal commandment, carnal commandment, carnal commandment. And you're passing a law. And you're making a law in your own life. That this is what I'm going to do. And so you have a a stirring, a service. The word is preached. It comes forth. The word comes across from the pulpit. The presence of God begins to move. And you're stirred. And you have an experience where you're awakened to something that is lacking in your life. And you're so aware of things that you're doing wrong. You know something's missing. She said, I promise I'll do better. And sometimes we just stop right there. The words preached at camp. The word comes forth of the pulpit. We're strangely moved. We know this is God. We are aware. I know I'm wrong. Lord, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I promise I'm going to do better. Promise I'll do right this time. Lord, I mean it. This time, Lord, I'll stop and I'll be better Christian. And we stop right there. And so our experience amounts to a carnal commandment. The only thing we have to show for that time in the presence of God is a promise that we made that we'll do better. 
Oh, and we ask God to forgive us. We ask for another chance. And He does it. And he forgives us and grants us another chance. But we're just coming away with the promise. It's something that we're going to do. Something that we're going to do to make it better. Get it right. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. Now, I'm not talking about when God tells you to do something. God convicts you of something and He tells you, you need to do that. Then you go do it. Because God will never tell you to do something He doesn't give you the power to do. So I'm not talking about God telling you to do something. I'm talking about our own awareness. And the conviction that comes by the Word. And we make the promise, I'm going to do better. And so no, we're not talking about God telling you to do something. But what I'm talking about is when that conviction comes and you know something's wrong. And you say, I'm going to go home and I'm going to throw those CDs away. I'm going to go home and I'm going to throw those clothes I've been hiding from my parents away. I'm going to throw those thing movies away. I'm going to get rid of those things. I'm going to do it this time. And some of you are thinking, man, I've bought this CD three times in a row. Come September, I'm going to write, walk right back into the movie store and they go, you're back. We saved you a copy. Because it's just the same t- thing every time. Right. Oh, we saved those pair of pants for you in the back that you come back and buy every, every September 14th. And we're right back in the same cycle doing the same things. It lasted maybe a little bit longer. Maybe it comes October, like, hey, we were just about to put that back on the shelf. Glad you came back. Anything else you want? You're going to buy a few more this time? How many did you throw away this time? Why? Because it only lasted for so long. Because carnal means feeble. Remember that at the very beginning? Carnal means weak. means frail. And so, if it's a law of a carnal commandment, it won't hold under pressure. It cannot stand an attack. And if we're not careful, we are only making carnal commandments when God deals with us and it'll never last. If we're not careful, God will deal with us. God will speak to us, fulfill conviction and he'll say, all right, sorry, I'll do better. And then the conviction leaves and we feel like we've accomplished what God wanted to accomplish. But really all we've done is we've reasoned away the, the conviction. In 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 5, it says, Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. I just want to isolate that phrase. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. You know, a form is hollow. Form is even shallow. It lacks substance. And just the very suggestion of this is it can be easily torn down. If it's just a form of godliness, you can just push it over. Just a little pressure on it and it'll cave in. Because what? It denies the power. So it does not have the power to stand. It doesn't have the backbone to withstand the pressure. It does not have the quality to transform the pressure into character. It does not have the substance to transform the attack into character. But if it's just a form of godliness, it can be crushed. And we never want to settle for form. We want the power. Amen. They did, having a form of gosh, but denying the power, it can be torn down. There's always a way out of a form. There's always an exit. There's always a way that you can get out of the form. But where there's power, where there's power, there's power to overcome. 
Power to stand. Power to be changed day by day. But if we just make a carnal commandment, you make a carnal commandment, the only thing that it can produce is a law. And just, I, 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 want, I want you to just, if I can have your full attention, because this is important for us to, to, to see what happens in our life. Because remember, it's human instinct to do this. And not an evil instinct, just human. Carnal commandment only produces a law. And when, the, when, it, when you are in that meeting, and the word is being preached, and you make a promise, you, you've, you've written a law. And that law does carry with it some authority. That law does have a power. Therefore, it does have an effect. But the law is temporary and subject to change. Therefore, it can be broken. The law has an influence for a certain period of time, but it can be broken. That's why they say laws are made to be broken. But let me, let's just give you an example. How many of you here are old enough to drive a car and drive a car? Right now, you you can specifically relate. Others of you may relate by observance, and you don't have to identify yourself whether or not you can, both in practice or by observance. But there's a uh, the law of the speed limit, and that sign is posted, and it's a law, and it says you can only travel so many clicks, as I guess you guys call it, and you're only supposed to go a certain speed limit. And as that law, there what it keeps you. Why that speed limit? Some of us may be 10 over or so. We figured out the formula that we could be 9 over and not technically be breaking the law or something. But then if, if you're from the States, when you come up to Canada, you just speed all you want because you know there's no repercussion for it. And that's wrong. But anyways, you, can, you know the law's there not to speed. And as long as that speed limit's there, it keeps people within, that, within the proximity of that. The speed limit's 70, that, that's going to that's gonna determine how fast someone drives. If it drops down to 30, it's going to determine how fast someone drives. And so the law has a certain power. And it holds us as a, to, a, to a certain speed until another necessity arises and then we speed. We'll drive the speed limit until we're late for work. Until we're late getting somewhere. We, we'll drive the speed limit until another condition comes up that's more important and what happens you break the law the law has an effect until something else breaks it the law has the ability to hold you until another circumstances a circumstance arises that diminishes the relevance and the importance of that law and the law can be broken it's the same example with murder there's a law against murder you know and it's just that law alone that keeps a lot of people from killing people the fact that it's wrong, and because there's a law against murder, it keeps people from murdering. But you know what? That law keeps pretty much everybody from committing murder until another emotion interrupts the law. The law says, do not murder. You don't kill. You. This is a crime. It's punishable. And there's consequences. And they say, okay, I can't do it. I won't do it because it's wrong. But then all of a sudden, another circumstance weakens the law. And whatever power the law had over the individual is gone. Because another emotion comes in and interrupts the law and breaks its power. An emotion of hatred or jealousy. Anger, greed comes in and interrupts and breaks the power of the law and they commit murder. 
And so even though that law had an effect for a time, it could be broken. And it's the same thing when we make a carnal commandment. A human emotion or desire can interrupt and break the power of that law. Therefore, the law becomes weak and the law is weak. And for us, when we go to camp, we're in youth service and we go to camp and we hear the word preached and we know it's real and we feel the presence of God and we tell God we're sorry and we ask for forgiveness and we make the promises and we say we're going to do right. The law for a season can have a holding power. And that promise you made will keep you for a while. You may go one week. You may go two weeks. You may go a month. You may go four. You may go five. You may go six. You may go twelve. Who knows how long you'll go with it. But it's always susceptible to another circumstance interrupting its power. You, you make the promise and then it breaks. You know it. You know it's true. You know you've been through this. You know I'm talking about you. You've been through this. It happens time again. Why? Because the power of the law is broken when another circumstance comes. Another emotion, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life, the the affections for the things of the world, the attractions, the allurements, those things come. And whatever promise you made begins to whittle and break because of that emotion. And what happens is it creates a vicious, vicious cycle. It creates a cycle. I know for, for some of you young people, you might wish to be 13 years old and you're going to be going to your first camp. Some of you may be 14, 15, maybe just, just beginning to become more aware of the things of God. Maybe, maybe you're so young you've never been through this cycle. But I'm telling you, there's some young people here tonight, and I'm one of them that can tell you, there's a vicious cycle that awaits you if all you do is make a promise. And you, the cycle is you go from promise to promise, family camp to family camp. And family camp's always going to be your salvation. It's always going to be the, what gets you out of the rut. If I can only make it to family camp. If I can only hold on. Some of you are nodding your head because you've seen it. You've seen it in others. You've experienced it yourself. Am I right, Brother Joel? Brother John, you've seen it. The years you've been in this church, you've seen it. Maybe you've been through it yourself. And you go from promise to promise. Camp meeting to camp meeting. And sometimes it lasts a little bit longer than it did the time before. But God deals with your heart. You feel conviction and emotionally, I'm going to do the right thing. And the law carries with it a holding power for a season. But once it wears off, all of a sudden, what are you looking for? Another recommitment? You're looking for another opportunity to make a promise. And it's a vicious cycle. You get excited at family camp. You're excited. You're going to serve God. It's going to be different this time. This time when I go back to school, it's going to be different. And it only lasts for a season. And then you're waiting for the next camp. Experience to experience. Emotion to emotion. Stirred but never changed. You up and down. Up and down. And it's almost like you you get on a road. And you're on a road with a bunch of exits. And you find yourself, you've, you've gone off on this path and you've gone and you've, you've taken this exit and you've gone a little diversion. Family camp comes around, Brother Ronald Dean Spencer starts directing you and, and he starts telling you where you're wrong and what's doing. And you look around and say, you know what, I'm in the wrong surroundings. I'm doing the wrong things. I've got to get back on this road again. So you just, you just say, well, I know how I got this. I know which way I came. I know how I can do this. And you just navigate your way back on the road. And you say, great, I'm back on the freeway. And you're back on the road. But you know what comes up after a few miles? 
Next exit. You start going, hmm. Next exit. Wow. Okay. Next exit. And you've already beginning to forget. The laws already begin to be broke. Something inside says, don't take the exit. Don't take the exit. And then you get closer and closer. Throw on the blinker. Take the exit. And your whole life becomes that. You're, all, you're never getting anywhere because you're always taking the exits. And then you get back on. Take the exit, get back on. And it's a miserable cycle. It's a miserable cycle to be in that. To want to serve God, but always going in circles and never going anywhere. To want to serve God, to want to be free, to want to overcome. But you never get on that path and stay on it. And I'm telling you, if you're young, if you're, you're just now, God's dealing with your heart. Don't get in that cycle. If you've been in the cycle, break the cycle. Up and down, up and down, up and down, in and out. And it gets so discouraging. And that's the worst part of all of it is because you're sincere. But you start to get discouraged. And you get to where you don't even want to try anymore. But I want you to know that that cycle is not not all that's there. Your life does not have to be a life of cycles. You don't have to be the one that makes the promise this year only to break it. You don't have to have a life full of promises, broken promises. You don't have to have a life where you're never getting anywhere. You're always taking the exit. You don't have to do that. Because that's not the promise that you have available to you. It's not the promise you make. It's the promise He already made. And you can have a transformation by the power of an endless life that breaks that cycle. Where you're not conforming by a carnal commandment. But you truly receive and live by something that changes you from the inside out. As he said in Romans 12, 2, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. A transformation that takes place, not a conforming. And we do not need to try to do something because we know it's right. But we want a life living it. No matter how honorable it may seem for you to go out and try to live right, that's not what we want you to do. We want you to live right. We want something inside of you living right. Brother Tom knows this. The other ministers know this. That we're, we're not interested in getting you to conform. We're not interested in you trying to live like a good message believer and look like a good message believer. That's not our objective. That's not our goal. Our goal isn't to get you to conform. Our goal is to introduce you to a trans- transformer. To one that can transform you where you can have a transformation. Because I know that if I, if I want to conform you, I'll tell you everything that you need to do to do right. And it won't do you a bit of good. But I know if you ever find the Holy Ghost, we won't have to worry about those other things. We don't have to tell you how to dress. We don't have to tell you how to act. We don't have to tell you what places to go and things not to do. If you've got a Holy Ghost inside of you, it'll tell you how to act. It'll lead you in the right places. It'll bring itself subject to the Word of God. Don't try to do something just because you know it's right. But the scripture says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, how do you get into Christ? By one spirit. He is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, a couple of things are different now. No. He is a new creature. 
Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. This means you're a different person this time. It's not the old man who made a promise. It's not the old man putting on another badge. I'm going to do better this time. It's not the old man cleaning up his house. It's different this time. You're not the old man made over, but you are a new creation. In other words, you have been made something new. You haven't made yourself after the law of a carnal commandment, but the new birth by the baptism of the Holy Ghost makes you a new creature after the likeness of Christ. Just as He was not begotten by the flesh, but it was a new order, the power of God, you can be born on this wise. It's the power of an endless life that has been made available to you and you can receive it. It's something that takes place where there's no credit to the flesh. And you don't want to give the flesh any credit anyways. Because you remember last time I tried, it didn't work. But this time it's God. And I can rest in that. Because it says, which were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. We do not work our way into the body of Christ. You do not promise your way into perfection. We are born into the body of Christ. And we are led to perfection by the Holy Ghost. So what does it mean then to be born by the power of an endless life? What does it mean? It means it never stops. It always keeps growing. It never gives up. It always continues. It perseveres. It withstands the attack. It grows stronger. It gets brighter. It gets greater. It gets more wonderful. It inspires you. It guides you. It leads you. It lifts you up. It gives you joy unspeakable. It can never be broken. It can never be interrupted. Nothing can take it away from you. Because in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 17, we read verse 16. It said, For he testifieth, Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Forever. He was made after the power of an endless life. Therefore, he was a priest forever. So the power of an endless life is unchanging. It always lasts. It is permanent. It cannot be destroyed. It can never be torn down. If you're born, if you're made after the power of an endless life, that experience will stick. It will last. It will not go away. If you can just realize that there's an experience for you that's far beyond making a promise at family camp. It's far beyond making a promise tonight. But there's something available to you that can go with you every day of your life. You won't have to worry about falling. It will withstand the attack of the devil. It will overcome every single obstacle. It lasts forever. It perseveres. It grows stronger. It cannot be dissolved. It's indestructible. If you are made by the power of an endless life, then there's no cycle. You don't have to worry about cycles. You don't have to worry about come September wanting to go get back all the things you threw away. Some of us are a little bit more clever. We just give it to somebody we know so that when we want it back, we can just ask them for it. It's because it was a carnal commandment. It was just a promise. But I want you to know there's something available to you. There's an experience for you. Those are 13, 14, 15, like whatever age you are. There's an experience for you. 
Hebrews 7, 28. I want you to read this. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 28. For the law maketh men high priest, which have infirmity. That's what the law does. You make a promise, guess what you've just done? You've made yourself a Christian which has a glaring weakness. Maketh priests which have infirmity. That means they're going to die. It can never last. But the word of the oath, which was since the law, maketh the Son who is consecrated forevermore. Oh, I love that. The word of the oath, which was since the law, maketh the Son which is consecrated forevermore. It's a consecration. It's just not for a week at camp. It's just not a weekend. It's just not for a few weeks. But it's forevermore. And this word that is available to you can make you a son, can make you a daughter who is consecrated forevermore. Not just for a few days at camp. Not just because you've gotten so far away from worldly influences that it's easy to serve God. But something inside of you that can withstand the attack. Because if we just are doing it by the law, the law maketh men high priests which have infirmity. And if it's after the law, then faith is made void. And his promise is of none effect. Because we take our promise over his promise. And if you could just realize tonight that what you have the opportunity to accept is the power of an endless life. It means it produces a power that is indestructible. Not a law that can be broken. Not a law that can be changed. If you're made after the power of an endless life, then there's something permanent that's always inside of you. You don't have to worry about it leaving. You'll never come to a place where it's, oh, I guess I got to wait till August again. Who's Brother Ed going to have preached this year? Oh, I can't wait till I can go to Winter Youth Retreat. Maybe this year I'll go to Louisiana Youth Camp and I'll get my life right with God. What are you looking for? Another, by human, if you're, you're addicted to a promise. You're a fiend for carnal commandments. You're addicted to it. You've got to make another promise. I've got to get to another camp. I've got, I got to make a promise. I've got to get right. And what you don't realize is you don't have to do that. You don't have to wait till camp. You don't even have to wait till this camp. Some of you have never experienced what it's like to get to camp already on fire. And I tell you, it's a lot more fun than getting on fire there. You're able to enjoy the services. You're able to enter in in the burden for the people, pray for people. You're able to enjoy it while you're already free. So I'm telling you, you don't even have to wait. That power of an endless life is a power that cannot be reversed. It cannot be deterred. It's a power that cannot be held back. You know what? You're not on the same journey anymore. You don't just get on. You don't, you're not getting on another exit. You're being moved to another planet. You're being put on a whole other highway system. You're being put on a totally different road. Guess what? A road that does not have exits. A road that does not have exits and you can't turn back. It's one way. And it will accomplish, that power will accomplish what it's sent to accomplish where you don't have to fear the future. You don't have to live in this fear that some of us live under. I don't know just how long this one will last. And we, we're, we're torn by it and we get discouraged because you're sincere. You're like, Lord, I want to hold on this time. Lord, I don't want to go back. Lord, I'm miserable in the world. Lord, I don't want to go that way. Lord, I don't want to do these things. Lord, don't let it happen again. Lord, I don't want to go back again. I don't want to go back again. And you start fighting and you start fighting. 
If you can be born by the power of an endless life, you will not fear the future. I just share my testimony just in closing. Before I was born again, I remember thinking about the Christian life. And just as a young man, I thought about it. I'd get tired thinking about it. I'm like, my goodness, how can you be a Christian 24 hours a day? How could you go to church the rest of your life, never miss a service? I would think about the Christian life and I thought, I could never live it for the rest of my life. It seemed wearisome, it seemed tiresome, it seemed impossible. It seemed like I could never do it. And I used to tell myself, well, I guess I'll just kind of go in cycles. I'll serve God maybe for a couple years and I'll backslide for a couple years. And I'll do good for a while and I'll do bad for a while. That's at least all I knew for myself. That's all I knew that there was. Is you'd have to go for a little bit. And I thought the rest of my life, maybe I'll be faithful in church for a couple years, but then I'll just backslide. Because it just seemed like it's impossible to do. And then I lived that very thing as a young man. I remember having experiences with God, even just being eight years old and feeling the presence of God and knowing He was real and crying and weeping. And I can remember 16 years old, I had an experience at Louisiana Youth Camp. And my, God was so real, I made the promise. I'm serving Him now. I'm letting go of the worldly friends. I'm letting go of the things of the world. I went back to school and I told my, I told my friends I stopped hanging out with them and I testified to my lab partner. And Boy, I was on fire for God. I was going to be a Christian. And, and, I, and I made the promise. You know how long that promise lasted? A whopping six months. I thought that was pretty good. But you know what? Six months later, I was out in the world just in an instance worse than I'd ever been before. In a, in a moment. Why? Because another sensation, another emotion came by. Broke the law. And I went on a five-year cycle. And it got to where I would live in the world and I kind of float around the world and I'd go back to Louisiana Youth Camp and I'd be like, oh, Lord, help me, please. I promise, Lord, I'm going to go home and I'm going to quit doing this. I'm going to quit doing that. And sometimes it lasts for a week. Sometimes it wouldn't even last the drive home. And then you know what? It got to where I never tried anymore. He didn't see me at Louisiana Youth Camp. He stopped seeing me at church. Why? That cycle had finally pushed me into the world. And I thought that's what life exists of. That's all that there is is cycle after cycle. And that's what I thought a Christian would have to do. But you know what? I was looking at eternal things from a finite mind. I was looking at the things of God with a carnal mind. And you can't comprehend them. I don't know if some of you are like it. But there was one way to scare me to death as a child. Think about eternity. Scare me to death. But what in the world is that? Eternity? Is there a nap? I mean, do do we close up at any time? What's going on here? I couldn't comprehend eternity. So it scared me to death. And that's exactly what I was doing here, is I was trying to view eternal things from a carnal mind, and I had it perverted. I didn't realize that He could make you a Christian. You didn't have to try to be a Christian. He could make you a Christian. And if He ever makes you a Christian, you never have to look back. There are no exits on that road. You don't have to worry about it. If you're made after the power of an endless life, you do not have to consider backsliding. You never have to worry about giving up. Even when you make a mistake that you know a Christian shouldn't do, something gets you back up again. And it doesn't get up making a promise. It gets up accepting His promise that if you confess your faults, He's just and faithful to forgive you. There's something there that will lead you and guide you. 
Even in your darkest hour, even after your worst mistake, giving up is never an option. And I lived that cycle. It was real. It's real to me. I've been there. I've done that. And I've also met the Creator. I've met the Maker. And He's made me different. He's made me what I am today. What I am as a Christian is because He made me who I am. And I've left the cycle behind me. I'm not worried about cycles. I'm only excited about how high I'll go. I live every day in anticipation of how much deeper I'll go in the things of God. Not how I'll slip out into the world again. You get made after the power of an endless life. You know what? You couldn't quit if you wanted to. You're, you made it with the law of a carnal commandment. You're always looking for options. You're always reevaluating your commitment. You're always looking at, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick my battles here. What, what do I want to give in to you know, if I'm going to give up, it might as well be for, be for a girl that's good looking. Right? If I'm going to quit, it might have make it worth it. Giving up's always an option. And when you make a mistake, what do you start contemplating? What do you start thinking? Well, I guess I'll just quit trying this time. I've done it before. Might as well just quit trying. Giving up's always an option when it's the law of a carnal commandment. But when you are made after the power of an endless life, giving up is never an option. Even when you make the worst mistake, you say, well, I'm going to, I'm going to give, I'm going to give, I'm going to give God all my heart. You, you can't even make the phrase, I give up. You can't even say it. Lord, this time I'm going to quit doubting you all the time. I'm just going to serve you. It's kind of like the brother John Briner told me about, I've, I've never watched much veggie tales. I don't really what they, know what they are, but the cucumber, somebody one time was trying to sing the blues. And so he's singing the blues. I'm so sad. I dropped my ice cream. And he goes, but I'm happy because I got the love of God in my heart. And they're like, cut, cut, cut. You can't. You're not doing it right. A Christian can't sing the blues. If you've been mad after the power of an endless life, giving up is not an option. And I say that to you tonight for those who live under the shadow of quitting, who live under the shadow of giving up. You do not have to consider it once you've met him face to face. Because He carries you. Serving God is something that is done out of weakness, not strength. It is something that all of us can do. Because it's not dependent upon our strength, but rather our yielding to Him. There's no exit. There's no off-ramp. There's no reverse. You can't change direction. Because inside of you is the power of an endless life. The musicians would come this evening. I just want to ask you again. Who has made you? Is it the power of an endless life? Or the law of a carnal commandment? And I'm, I'm, I'm very serious tonight. Has the Bible, has the message, has the things you've been taught become law to you? Do you just follow it obediently just as a son or daughter? Are you making promises only to break them? You know it's true. Probably every single one of you know it's true. Say, Brother Aaron's telling the truth tonight. We've all done it before. We've all went to camp and we made our carnal commandment. So upon what basis... 
Do you derive your position? As you sit in your seat tonight, when you think about what makes you who you are, what are you gonna, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Is it because of the way you're raised or taught? Because of where you go to church? Your family relation? I asked a guy here recently, we were fellowshipping in an opportunity with a worldly man and said, what makes you think when you get before God, what makes you think he's going to let you into heaven? He says, well, I'm a good person. And that's what he thought. He thought, I I, I don't kill, I don't rob, I don't steal. I'm a good person. And some of you say, you know what? At least I'm not smoking marijuana like some of these other guys in this church do. At least I'm not trimming my hair like some of the other girls do. At least my skirts are longer. At least I come to church. At least I help babysit. At least I, at least I do this. At least I'm respectful. I, 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 I'm doing all these things. I'm not really that bad, Brother Aaron. But what is it? Is it God? Has He made you? Are you just good at making promises and keeping them? And for some of us, what cycle are we in? As you sat here just weeks away from family camp, what part of the cycle are you in? Is it the same one you found yourself in this time last year? The same exact place, the same exact things, maybe worse. And you're saying to yourself, three more weeks. Brother Tom, if I could just get there, three more weeks, everything will be all right. If I could just hold on to family camp. If I could just hear Brother Ron preach, if I could just hear that altar call, if I could just feel that conviction, if I could just feel that atmosphere that I felt last time when I promised to do good, if I could just get back there again, what cycle are you in? Is it a cycle? Or have you been made by the power of an endless life? In John chapter 1, verse 12 and 13, we read this. Maybe we, we would sing, creating me a clean heart. He said, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name. Which were born not of blood. Nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. But as many would receive him, to them gave he power. What power? To be made. The power of an endless life. The scripture says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. He's come to your door so many times. What has he done? He's not. And that preacher's been in your living room. He's been in your bedroom. And Jesus knocks. And you know what you do? I'm going to clean up the house. Jesus is knocking. I've got to clean up the house. And we promise to clean up the house when he knocks. And that's what we do. We start cleaning the house because we're going to get right. How many times have you heard somebody say, well, when are you going to come back to church? When I'm ready. How long does it take you to get dressed? My goodness, it's been two years. 
There's no getting ready. There's no cleaning your house. Why is he knocking to clean your house for you? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Let me in. When he knocks, let him in. Don't promise to clean your house. Don't make one promise. Let him in. At family camp, when he knocks, let him in. Don't even, don't even make one promise. Don't even promise to receive him. Receive him. Don't make one promise to God. He doesn't need your promise. He wants your heart. Even tonight, I believe that we would be wrong to just build your expectation for camp and not give you a chance tonight to break the cycle. Is God knocking tonight? How dare you make any promise tonight? How, why would you even want to? When God is here knocking on the door and he says, no, don't, don't worry about cleaning. No, don't worry about that. You'll never get it right for me. You're never going to get your, your heart cleaned up and get it all right. Say, Lord, just will you come in and create a clean heart, Lord? Lord, I've tried it time and time again. I've, I'm discouraged now, Lord. Maybe you're at the right spot tonight. Maybe you're discouraged. So I've just tried too hard. I, I can never do it right. When he knocks, don't make one promise. Accept this promise he has made to you. As many as received him. Just open up and let him in. Don't make a carnal commandment that will end. When God knocks on your heart and you're aware... It's not sacrifice and offerings that he wants. Scripture says that's not what he requires. Our sacrifice, I'm going to abstain from things of the world, our offering, I'm going to do good things. It's not what he wants. But he said, my son, give me your heart. Give me your heart. He doesn't say, give me a clean heart. It's not what he says, my son, give me your clean heart. He says, give me your heart and I will give you a new one. And I'll put my spirit in you. And I will cause you to walk in my statutes and do them. It is he that will do it. He causes you to live. You don't have to try. It is both him who wills and does his good pleasure in you. Give him your heart. And tonight I pray by the grace of God that there would be a cycle broken. You've been up and down, in and out, back and forth, going in circles. Break the cycle tonight. Just wonder if we can have every head bowed. You just forgive me if I've been a little long for a youth service. But I'll blame it on you because you're good listeners. If you've been in a cycle and you want to break that tonight... Won't you receive them? Wonder if there's any young people here you say, No, Brother Aaron, I've made those very promises, those very promises at family camp last year. And I broke them. And you just want to say, Lord, I receive you tonight. I accept the promise that you made, that you would make me. If you'd want to do that, you just want to stand to your feet to accept the promise. 
I accept the promise. God bless you. You say, Lord, give me the power of an endless life. Say, Lord, break this cycle. Some of you have been in cycles. You say, Lord, break the cycle of death. Oh, I'm weary. My heart's broken. I'm discouraged, Lord. You know, I, I was even contemplating not even going to camp this year. Because I was just weary with the cycle. You'd want to stand and say, Lord, break the cycle tonight. Don't promise. You know what? I know right now some of you are going to start making promises again. Don't do it. You don't need to. It's empty words. My daughter, give me your heart. Give me your heart. Accept him. As many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons and daughters of God. Created me a each one. God bless all of you. God bless you. Amen. God bless you. You know, now's the time to receive him. I'll say it again. Your time's not family camp. That Your time is right now. This is the time. This is the appointed hour. You say, why would, why would God do this? Why, why would God have us here in this service? Why would this be preached? Because you needed it tonight. Not three weeks from now. Tonight, right now, this is the grace of God. He could have left you to yourself. He, he could have left you in your cycle. God Himself has spoke to you. Break the cycle. He said, let me come and loose you. Those of you in shackles to promises, those in shackles to cycles, let me come and break it. And I say, throw your hands to God in the air. Say, Lord, break the cycle. 
break this cycle in me. Lord, I depend upon you tonight. Not my own righteousness. Nothing I can do. Lord, break this cycle. And fall upon him. And be broken. Let's just sing it again. Let's just worship God in this atmosphere. Lives are being changed right now. Oh, create a clean. that cycle broken break it tonight break it tonight even if there's someone streaming the service break the cycle tonight but you young people here in his presence behold I stand at the door and knock anyone will let me in just receive Christ tonight
you just want to receive him to change your life, just raise your hands. We'll pray for you. But dear gracious Heavenly Father, nothing in our hands we bring to you, Lord. Like so many times before, we've been in the same atmosphere. Unknowingly, Lord, we brought to you things that were of no weight or substance to you. Lord, we brought to you our, our August resolutions, our family camp resolutions, and said, Lord, I, I know this is wrong, and I know this is wrong, and I'll do better this time. And We've stumbled and fell so many times, Lord. But tonight, by the preaching of the word, we realize that we can bring nothing to you but the heart that you've given us. Lord, we're comforted by that, knowing that there's nothing we have to do to get this. But I know in my own life, I tried so hard and I wanted to serve you. I was miserable. I was depressed. I struggled with suicide. But one day, I just fell into your arms. Made everything different, Lord. You know, for me, if just one young person could have that experience tonight, they'll never be the same. Dark clouds will roll away. The fear will be gone. Light will shine through and they'll have hope and life. Lord, may it be tonight, I pray, I desire that it be tonight, that they can know just how sovereign you are, just how mighty you are. Lord, it doesn't have to be at family camp on the last day, but Lord, it's tonight. So unexpected, Lord. So sudden, but yet so real. I pray that as we linger in your presence, your Holy Spirit would come and change your heart, Lord. Some that just stood and lifted their hands to you said, Lord, break the cycle. Their hearts are crying to you, Lord, break the cycle. Lord, make me up with the power of it in this life. Lord, I just pray that you'd do that tonight. That you'd grant it as we linger in your presence. May a true change be wrought in these lives. We commit them into your hands and we say, according to your word, as many as would receive you, to them you give power. Lord, may they receive you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. May they be changed tonight by the power of it in this life. May they have that liberty, that freedom, and that passion that only you can bring. May the cycle be destroyed tonight, Lord. Take them from where they are on this road, Lord, and put them on a new pathway. Put them on that highway, Lord. I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you'd grant it. Grant it, we pray, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's just sing this song again, but I just challenge you tonight. Don't leave. Don't leave too soon. Create me. Don't stop worshiping. If you want to change tonight, you just ask Him for it. Oh.